Did we learn anything from BYU spring evaluation period when it comes to recruiting? Well, something was pointed out by Coogs Daily over at Sports Illustrated. I think that's worth noting about BYU and it bodes well for the future of BYU when it comes to the Big 12. We'll talk about that. We'll also get to the schedule for BYU women's soccer. We know where they will be playing this coming summer slash fall. We got all that and more ahead on today's edition of Locked on Cougars. You are Locked on Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. But more importantly, thank you for making us your first listen of the day here on Locked On Cougars. It is an absolute privilege to be with you guys talking BYU sports. And after the Monday that I have had, I can tell you this much, it really is a privilege. It kind of lets me get away from all the other stuff going on. I had some issues with our radio stuff. We moved into a new studio there in Salt Lake City, so it's good to be stepping away from that and just be able to sit down, podcast, and kind of pontificate on what's going on with the BYU Cougars. So thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where of course the motto is your team every day, and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU, and in essence, the goal here is to make you the smartest BYU fan in the room. So thank you for checking us out if you're just checking us out for the first time. If you have not done so already. I'm going to point here. I think I got it right. Yeah, here he is. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that button right down there in the lower right corner of your window. Subscribe to the show. Follow the show. Uh, make sure you enable notifications. Like, comment uh, for on the traditional podcast platforms out there. Apple Podcasts, etc. Leave your ratings and reviews. Always appreciate your guys' support and make sure that you guys continue to join us every single day throughout the summer. Alright, let's talk about something that was pointed out by our good friend Casey Lundquist over at Coogs Daily. It's part of the Sports Illustrated College Fan Site Network, and he noted an interesting thing I feel like we need to talk about when it comes to BYU football in terms of their recruiting moving forward here for the Cougars. As he points out, and what this is called is the spring evaluation period. So BYU coaches have kind of fanned out across the country. They are back in Provo now. Of course, official visits happening this past weekend. It is now officially where coaches can no longer go out for the time being and recruit. They are back on home turf. But during this spring evaluation period where they kind of fanned out all over the country there were a grand total as Casey noted of 19 offers uh, given to prospects from around the country in this evaluation period of the 19 here 17 held competing power 5 offers and all 19 held competing FBS school offers Uh, since joining the Big 12 it's not official though he says that BYU has been not afraid to swing for the fences and go head to head with power 5 schools for out of state prospects and no prior connections to BYU he says historically speaking, BYU has struggled to land prospects that fit that definition. He also notes that this is a notable shift in strategy, and this is where I want to talk more about this. During Kalani Satake's tenure at BYU, 57% of their signees did not have a competing offer from a Power 5 school when they signed. BYU has signed a lot of players with athletic potential and size that were not heralded recruits, cutting on their ability to develop those players into Power 5 level players after they arrived on campus. So, 
if you go by the math, 17 of 19 is not 57%. That is verging on what? 90 some odd percent of these players that BYU offered during the spring evaluation period have at least one Power 5 offer, and all of them have competing offers from other schools. They may not be Power 5. The other two do not have a Power 5 offer, but that could change. I think BYU is actually realizing, hey, we've got some cachet right now. We're 21-4 and over the past two years. You cannot argue with the fact that BYU has been more successful on the football field in the last two years than they have been in, what, more than a decade? It's been a long time since BYU has talked about this highly on the national front. And that's a very, very good thing because BYU, as they join the Big 12 now, is going to have more of a national following because they're going to be playing all over the country. We've talked about this before. The Big 12 is going to be the only Power 5 conference that spans three time zones. The Eastern, Central, and Mountain time zones all are now going to feature Big 12 schools. BYU is starting to recruit more and more into, into Texas, more and more into Florida. They're going to the South. Emmanuel Lalo Waller is a guy from Alabama. I know that he has connections through the church to BYU, speaking of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, etc. But you're seeing BYU spread their wings in terms of their overall recruiting strategy, and that should be a welcome thing if you're a BYU fan. BYU understands they have got a lot going for them right now. You can't argue with success. You go out there and have back-to-back top 25 caliber seasons. You win 21 games. You've won 10 plus games the past two years. And now you have officially that Power 5 label attached to your name. There is a lot riding for BYU right now that they can use to their advantage on the recruiting front, and they're taking advantage of it. In this article, and I'm going to link this in the show notes if you want to read more up on this, uh, he mentions here that also BYU has gone about prioritizing a little more recruiting players from out of state. says that BYU is approximately offered 30 players during the evaluation period. Of the 30, none of them lived in the state of Utah. So the number suggests that BYU staff feels like they need to get more out of state in terms of bringing players in uh, as they get ready to compete in the Big 12. And then also, the Power 5 impact, as you know, it's here. For the first time in program history, has the BYU has that Power 5 logo slash cachet next to their name officially. And he says that while it's early in the recruiting class, BYU has more, had more success competing against Power 5 schools. He says that nine four-star recruits have included BYU among their finalists. Of course, three of them were on campus this past weekend in Hunter Clegg, Jackson Bowers, as well as Walker Lyons. You hit two out of three of those guys. You even get one of the three. That's actually a very nice uh, haul for BYU. We can remember many, many, not well, not many years ago, in the not-too-distant past, where it seemed like maybe getting one four-star prospect in a BYU recruiting class maybe just would have made the world a difference for this program. That's no longer the case. They anticipate getting multiple Power 5 type players and multiple four, and I would expect at some point, if they continue to win at the level they've been winning at, to expect to get five star talents to Provo. Obviously, that is going to depend on BYU continuing to allow Kalani Sitake and his coaching staff to go out and do what they are doing, giving them the proper resources to do that, and also keeping that coaching staff intact. I know that BYU put together an unprecedented, is what the term they used, uh, deal for Kalani Sitake and his assistants to stay put in Provo, but for how long? How long will another program out there decide, you know what, what is BYU giving them? And they start looking at it, and they're like, you know what, we can up the ante a little bit. How much more willing is BYU going going to be to continue to compete in terms of the overall salary that they may have to pay to keep a guy like Kalani Sitake 
put in Provo. I am of the opinion that Kalani will stay at BYU for a quote-unquote hometown discount. I think he will take less from BYU because it's the school that he dreamed of going to, dreamed of coaching at. Uh, he's just a fan of the program. I think he will take less to remain at BYU than other programs might realize, but at the same time, there will come a point, and it maybe has already come at different times during his time at BYU. I know the past two cycles of head coaching vacancies, there has been renewed interest in Kalani Sitake and his staff. He is stuck with BYU through it so far, and hopefully he's with BYU forever. I don't want to see Kalani Sitake leave. Let me be very honest about that. I don't want to see him ever leave Provo. I want him to be the quote-unquote Polynesian Lavelle Edwards. That is what he has kind of tried to emulate is his mentor, the guy that he played for at BYU. He wants to be that type of a, a legend in Provo. If given the adequate resources and he feels like he is comfortable and he's set up for success in Provo, I don't think Kalani sees any reason to leave, but you've got to continue to capitalize on this. And that goes right back to here with recruiting is the BYU needs to get out and absolutely chase every possible option they have on the recruiting front. Yes, they will they probably prioritize some out-of-state guys and recruiting in new Big 12 territory versus maybe their old way of looking inwards to the state? Yeah, they may do that a little bit. I do know that BYU will continue to look at their in-state prospects and prioritize those guys. They know the talent that is in this state of Utah. They know it's been the backbone for many, many of the great BYU football programs of yesteryear. They will never go away from that. They're not going to all of a sudden just say, you know what, Utah, you guys here in the state, you're not good enough for us. No, they're not going to do that. BYU realizes that Utah is becoming more and more of a fertile recruiting ground. Maybe it doesn't have the overall numbers that a Texas account. California, Florida might have in terms of just the sheer number of prospects, but the quality of prospects coming out of Utah, BYU knows what they have here. So they will obviously make the backbone of their program Utah boys, but the nice part is they can go out around the country now and say, hey, we're a Power 5 program. We're based here in Utah, the foot of the Wasatch Mountains. We have won 21 games over the past two years. Do you have interest in coming here? And I think there are going to be a number of young men and families of those young men who are going to sit a little more straight up in their seat and say, tell us a little bit more about what you got going on at BYU. I also think that the honor code is something you absolutely recruit to. There are a lot of parents out there, and as a guy who's got young children, uh, I can tell you this much, I'm already thinking of what uh, their future is going to be. There are advantages to pitching what BYU, it's clean living. That's what it is. And I think there's a lot of parents out there, maybe the son or daughter, uh, no matter, maybe they don't necessarily have as much interest, but mom and dad sure do. And that can be just a little bit more of a hook to get uh, some of these families to be a little more invested in what BYU's got going for their son or daughter. So there's a lot going and go, going good for BYU on the recruiting front right now. And as our good friend Casey Lundquist points out in Cougs Daily, BYU has tried to really up their game when it comes to the recruiting front. And I think this bodes well for BYU going into the Big 12. They're not going to be content to rest on their laurels and say, you know what? We built this program like this. Let's keep doing that. Will they continue to take guys who may be quote-unquote projects and try and develop them? If they feel like they have a guy who can become a power five caliber player, they absolutely will take that gamble. They have proven time and time again that they can take guys who are two and three star talents and then turn them into four or five star talents when they're finished at BYU. That is a very real thing that BYU has proven. But we also do know that 
while the star system is not perfect, it's getting better and better all the time. The more four and five star talent you can get into your program, it directly correlates along with investment in the program in terms of the overall success and long t longevity of a program winning at a high level. So if you can balance the two, bringing in some projects, obviously taking gambles on certain guys, but at the same time, bringing in that top tier talent and allowing it to flourish in Provo, that's a recipe for success. And I think BYU realizes that and they've pivoted a little bit here and it's a very good sign for BYU. So get ready, folks. You're going to see more and more of the BYU is in a recruiting battle down to the bitter end. There is no longer are the days of BYU signing their 25 man recruiting class and nary a one of them seemingly has a power five offer and all of them have committed seemingly before their senior seasons have begun. These are going to be some of these races like a Walker Lions. It would not surprise me to see this kid bypass that early signing period in mid-December uh, mid and decide to wait all the way till February. And the funny thing about this is BYU will probably be in it the entire way. You could see some of those National Signing Day ceremonies where a BYU hat is up on that table or however they're going to announce it. BYU is going to be in the mix for more and more of these. And I, for one, cannot wait. The more you get this type of recruiting buzz going on, it's going to make more and more young men say, okay, why is this guy interested in BYU? Maybe I need to take a little closer look at what the Cougars have got going on. It can't hurt. And that is what I am excited about. If, if Speaking just from the BYU sense of things, I, I'm excited to see BYU continuing to compete at a national level and up their game recruiting-wise. It's a positive sign right now for BYU. Will they win all these recruiting battles? No, they will not. But the more you go out there and throw your hat into the ring, you can only win it if you have given those young men an option to come to BYU. We'll continue to talk about this, but I think it was a really cool article that Casey put together, and like I said, I'll link it in the show notes if you want to read it more in its entirety, but it shows that BYU, yeah, they have pivoted away from what kind of built this program, the backbone of this program under Kalani Satake over the past six years. Now they're pivoting and saying, you know what? We've got a lot going for us now. This is the time to strike, to use the quote, to strike while the iron's hot. Strike while the iron is hot. Excuse the gaff there. That is what I think you need to be excited for as a BYU fan. All right, coming up here right around the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about BYU women's soccer. We found out their fall schedule. Crazily enough, it's under what? It's, no, it's, not, it's not under two months. It's just about two months away when they will kick off their season. We'll also get to another one of our top 50 players in our top 50 player countdown. A former BYU tackling machine we're going to talk about. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. First, though, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bars are are the best tasting protein bars in the entire world. I am very fond of saying that, but if you, do you love a chewy chocolatey brownie? Sounds pretty good to me. What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? That sounds even better. What if I told you you can have all that chewy chocolatey deliciousness with that caramel on top for just and pack it all with 17 grams of protein? That's what Built Bar's got with their caramel brownie Built Bar. They are available right now at Built.com. You got to act fast because they are a fan favorite and they will sell out. Forget about dessert. They are better than dessert. Plus the macros are absolutely unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, as we mentioned, and just four grams of sugar. I would raise a regular brand with built some caramel brownie in a heartbeat. And the best part is they're covered under 100% real chocolate for real. I've had many a built bar. Any of you who know me know that I am a big fan of built bars. The best part is you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy with our friends at built bar. You really can have both. They're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides a ton of health benefits. And the best part is there's a million different reasons you should try built bars. But for now, let's just say that caramel brownie will rock your world. It's not 
compound understatement. Give it a shot, my friends, with Built. Tasty is the new healthy. Go to Built.com right now to get your box of caramel brownie bars now. Built.com right now. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. Once again, it's the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Save yourself 15% and get enjoy the best tasting protein bars with our friends at Built Bar. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate your guys' uh, patronage and helping us out here. Want to encourage you guys. We've got an important favor to ask all of you. We have put together a survey so we can learn more about you, our listeners, on the Locked On Podcast Network and make your favorite Locked On Podcast, like this one, even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcast. Get to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It will not take very long, and everyone that completes that survey qualifies for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Once again, to take the audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you in advance for your help, and thank you for helping us make the future of Locked On Cougars and the Locked On Podcast Network by extension even brighter. All right, before we go on today's show, let's talk about our top 50 player countdown. And today we go to one of the great linebackers I don't think it's talked about enough, and that is Shad Hansen. The six foot one, 230-pound athlete from Danville, California, played at Monte Vista High School. And funnily enough, he came to BYU having spent time at the Air Force Academy prep program. Many of you know that Air Force, their academy actually has a prep program, which is essentially next door to the Air Force Academy that a lot of guys go to to get their grades in order, get them ready to uh, take on life as a cadet at the Air Force Academy. Well, Shad went to the Air Force Academy and somehow BYU got in the mix for him and BYU is lucky they did. From 1989 to 1992, he played essentially the same years as Ty Detmer, albeit played one year, I believe, beyond, uh, beyond Detmer's uh, senior season. But for his career, an absolutely insane number of tackles for Shad Hansen. 407 total tackles. He has a single season record for BYU set in 1991 with 193 tackles. 63 of those tackles that year were solo, 130 of them assisted. They had also had five sacks that year for his career, had nine total sacks, 11 tackles for loss, and tackles for loss during this era excuse me, versus what different eras of tackles for loss. I think there were probably more tackles for loss in there for him, just the way that things were scored. He only has 11 tackles for loss to go with nine sacks. That seems like a very, very high number, but nonetheless, also added uh, six pass breakups, six forced fumbles, uh, and also had 16 quarterback hits in his career. Like I said, Chad Hansen, single season tackle record from 1991. Funnily enough, uh, Rocky Beagle is number two on this list. What does he have in a single season? 192 total tackles. So they are separated by one tackle. That's crazy. But Shad Hansen is a dude who is just absolutely a monster out there for BYU. The crazy thing about this is when you, for your career across four years playing for BYU, averaged 100 tackles per season. That's an incredible number. But Shad Hansen, a very easy addition here for the BYU Top 50 Player Countdown here on Locked On Cougars. And we're having a lot of fun with this. What we've been doing is going back and forth between the Top 50 Players of the Independent Era over the past 10 or so years, along with the Top 50 Players outside of that. And I feel like Shad Hansen, he doesn't get talked about in the same vein as a Shea Muirbrook. Uh, even like a Marv Allen going way back when. You can go back through some of the great linebackers in BYU history. We talked yesterday on, on our show about Brandon Ogletree, who was one of the early uh, guys in the independent era, but also spanned the final years 
of the Mountain West era. He's thought of very highly, but Shad Hansen, at least in my opinion, experience does not get talked about in that same vein. I think he should be because I think he's an absolutely incredible player and I was very happy to add Shad Hansen to the list. We'll continue on with that countdown every single day throughout the summer getting you ready for the upcoming BYU football season. It's crazy to think it's only 88 days away but it's coming fast folks so get ready. It is fast approaching but I cannot wait to have BYU and USF kicking things off. It seems so far away still but it's coming fast and furious and I could not be more excited. All right, one final note before we go on today's show is we learned over the weekend that BYU women's soccer has a very stout schedule once again going in to I believe what will be uh, Jennifer Rockwood's man, what is her how many seasons she coached now? She's a 26, 27, I don't remember how many she's coached but she made the run to the national championship game a year ago with BYU and just fell agonizingly close, agonizingly short of winning the program's first ever national title. That's a retool a little bit, but they start the season with a bang. They will be starting their season Saturday, August 6th when they host their blue and white game. It's an intra-squad scrimmage. The following Wednesday, they'll have their alumni game where some of the players uh, that have been on the team in recent years will come back and play the current team. But then, the season begins in earnest on Saturday, August 13th as BYU opens their season with three huge matchups to start their season. First, they'll be at North Carolina, one of the toughest teams annually. They are an annual Final Four team, it feels like, speaking of the of the, the Tar Heels. Then they're at Cal State Fullerton, who is no slouch in their own right in Southern California. That'll be the following week on Friday, August 26th. And then they make the quick, uh, then they make a quick trip uh, the following week to Ohio State. BYU will spend the first three weeks of their season on the road. That's actually not a bad way to go about things because it can be plenty warm here along the Wasatch Front that time of year, but at the same time, you're going to North Carolina, Fullerton, and Ohio State. Guess what? Talk about humidity, humidity, and humidity. So there are some advantages and disadvantages to it, but the home slate is what I'm most excited for. BYU's home opener will be against Colorado. Then Alabama comes to town. BYU made the trip to uh, play the Crimson Tide last year. They will actually play five straight home matches after that three-game road stretch to start the season. Cal State Northridge also comes in. Arkansas comes in, and then UVU. And then they'll get into their in-state play when they take on uh, Utah State and Utah following that before opening West Coast Conference play, their final run in the West Coast Conference. So BYU, I think, is set up to have a very good season on the women's soccer front. Obviously, uh, when you come off a national runner-up finish, you are going to be wondering, okay, what are the chances BYU can make another run like that? Man, I you you have Santa Clara there, who has been one of the toughest teams. They have won a national title what just two years ago in the West Coast Conference. You'll have to face off against. But the good news is BYU. I think conquered some demons last year. Obviously making that run to the uh, College Cup, the Final Four in women's soccer. Obviously making it to the national championship match. So some great things are happening for Jennifer Rockwood and the Cougars. I cannot wait to see them back on the field. And th- yeah, they're just what two months away from yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so August 6th. Yeah, they're two months away from starting their season with their scrimmages, and obviously just over two months away from their season opener out there at North Carolina. So some fantastic, fantastic things happening for the for the women's soccer program. They do return 16 players this season, including uh, 2021 United Soccer Coaches All-West Region players, Leveni Vaca and Jamie Shepard. So this is not a program that has got a bare cupboard by any means. They didn't necessarily uh, go to the national championship and have everybody leave. You lose players like Michaela Coulihan, that's going to make life tough for you. Obviously, Michaela Clough now, she's married to former BYU baseball standout Jackson Clough. But she obviously... 
uh, is going to leave a hole in BYU's lineup. The good news is there are still 16 players coming in. They have eight new players on its roster, including seven freshmen. So there are some big opportunities for some young players to step in right away, but also a lot of returning experience for Jennifer Rockwood as well. So some good things for BYU, and I cannot wait to see the Cougars on the field, and we'll obviously be rooting them on in just over two months' time. All right, that is going to do it. It's a little bit of an abbreviated edition of the show today. My apologies for that. Have some other pressing matters I need to take care of, but we'll be back tomorrow. An interesting uh, note on the BYU football front when it comes to what's going on with the quarterback position we needed to get into. We'll talk about that. We'll also, and what what I mean by that is uh, an interesting dynamic that has emerged that I had missed. If this was reported on, I think all of us missed it in the media, and we'll talk about that. It involves Jacob Conover, who looks like he's the presumed backup to Jaron Hall. Was his performances, or were his performances during the 2021 campaign, were they overshadowed by something that we maybe have missed, and a, a former quarterback probably should have lent some insight into that doesn't uh, that maybe doesn't necessarily register right away? We'll talk about that on tomorrow's edition of the show. We'll also talk about BYU women's volleyball. We also learned about their schedule for the upcoming fall slate. Another team that has high aspirations in their final run upcoming in the West Coast Conference. Got all that more ad- ahead on tomorrow's edition of the show. So a huge thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Want to encourage you now to go make your second listen. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors does an incredible job making sure you guys are up to speed on everything you need to know about BYU's new conference home. I am a part of their annual, another annual, their weekly roundtable they do. We'll actually be recording that on Tuesday night, so you'll probably expect that probably Wednesday or Thursday this week. So stay tuned for all of that. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, just like this show. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for June. I thought I was going to say July. I tried to say January all at the same time, but it is June, June 7th, 2022. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.